All right, good morning, High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing on a beautiful Sunday morning? Got the double thumbs up from Dylan. He's doing a sign. I don't know what this means, but that must be good. I, I'm going to take that as a good sign. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning in January 2021? There has never been a better time to be alive. And, and you know, we see there's crazy things going on in the world and, and, and there's fear gripping people and, and like, well, what's going to happen next? And I don't always know what's going to happen next, but I know there's one thing I can count on and his name is Jesus. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I am never alone. He said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Jesus is with us. He is still on the throne and he has still got a great plan for our lives. And so we're staying fully committed, fully hooked up. Who thinks it's the best time of your life to be fully committed to Jesus? I, I'm telling you, you know, uh, for some people it's like, man, it, it looks like it's getting worse and worse, but for the people of God, it's getting better and better and better because we were born for such a time as this. This is our moment. This is the time for the church arise and to do what we've always preached, to do what we've always talked about. This is our moment to prove that we trust and we believe the word of God. And so, I mean, I'm not sad. I'm excited and I'm ready to see what God is going to do in this day and in this age. Amen. I'm going to have my beautiful wife, Miss Katie, come on up. And here in a minute, uh, we're going to be getting into some great stuff. But today is a good, good day to be at church. Isn't Robert a gentleman? Look at this guy. I mean, come on. Let's hear it for Robert. (laughs) Oh, praise God. Okay, so I'm reminding you of rules. Yay, rules. Yes, rules are good and safe and healthy and boundaries are important. Um, So please don't touch each other. I know I'm reminding you of that. It's really stinky. So fist bumps are okay. Elbows are okay. Please try to, you know, not kiss your neighbor kind of thing. You can go home and do that. Wear your masks unless you're in your seat. Um, and if you're not feeling well, any kind of not feeling well, just stay home. Praise God. We have so many people who are back and healthy and whole. And praise God, right? Amen. And if you have to stay home or if you have to miss a service, we have lots of people who are missing Sunday night services. And we're working on it, okay? So keep praying. Keep being in agreement with us. But if you're missing a service, make sure to watch on Facebook or YouTube. Keep connected. Keep hearing the word. And Tuesday, we have a very, very important family member that we want to celebrate. She moved to heaven this last week, Miss Bobby Size, Robert's sister, and Anthony's grandma. She moved to heaven this week, and we're going to celebrate her life together on Tuesday at 11 a.m. So if you're able to make it out, that would be wonderful. We will enjoy celebrating all that her life was and all that she's going to get to do and be in heaven. That's right. Amen. Amen. So we appreciate the support of the family. Amen. And so, uh, praise God. Also want to remind you that there is no service tonight. As Katie just said, we are coming up with a game plan for Sunday night service. And we'll probably here the next few weeks, we'll get Sunday nights open back up and, and rolling and, and, uh, praise God. But one big thing is we want to have nursery available at every service because, uh, you know, I see 
these parents are, uh, they're, they're with their kids all week long and we all love our kids, right? And a lot of these young moms have several babies and I realize that coming to church and just babysitting your babies all over again, sometimes it's a little difficult. So one major thing is we want nursery available at every single service and we're close to being able to have that available for Sunday nights also. And all the moms said, I knew, I knew the ladies would have my back on that one. The ladies like the nursery. All right. Very good. Well, now we got some exciting family business to take care of. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. And actually, believe it or not, we've been talking about this for 15 years since uh, my dad got here in 2005. But today is the day that we are rolling out our game plan for replacing the HVAC units on top of this building. Now, if you've been around here very long, you're just jumping on the inside like I am because I've experienced a lot of Barstow summers and then I've experienced a lot of them in this building and it's been hot in the summer and the, the deal is, and, I'll, and I'm gonna, I'll share a little bit more about this, but, uh, there's seven units. This is a, a this building's over 15,000 square feet. It's a large building. It can seat over 500 people. It's a large building for Barstow, but, uh, it has seven HVAC units on the top and currently in this in this big room right here, only two work. These things are 26 years old and, uh, and you know, we, we've, we've ridden the horse until it's died. It's time to bury the old horse and to get some new ones. And we are in a blessed position to be able to make this happen. And you see on the screen there where the, the, the total cost of the big picture to do the whole enchilada is 60,000. We're breaking it into two phases. The first phase called phase one will obviously be half of 60. Do you know what that is? Half of 60? Very good. 30. I like that. So 30,000. And uh, and so let me get into that in a second. But I want to share a Bible verse with you this morning out of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, because I you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be uh, into eschatology. You don't have to be an end times prophet to realize that this is the end times. Does anybody else besides me realize that? I'm not stretching that. I'm not grasping at straws here. It is flat out undeniable the end times because thing after thing after thing that Jesus said was going to happen is happening. Boom, boom, boom. Matthew 24, Luke 17, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4. It is happening by the day and the events are speeding up. But here's something that Jesus said the world would be like at the very end. And this is in Matthew 24. You can just listen along. Matthew 24 verse 37. If you got your Bible turned there, but I'm in the NLT. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Can somebody say, Noah's day? In those days, before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And up until March of last year, we were enjoying banquets and weddings and parties and all this stuff. And, 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 you know, but Jesus said, there's going to be a careless world. There's going to be people just living how they see fit and all this crazy stuff. But look at this, verse 39. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. And that's what, that's Jesus' words. He said, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. People are going to think, yeah, no big deal. People have been, yeah, they've been talking about this all along. But then the day happened and the flood actually came. 
the world right now is like it was in Noah's day. Jesus said the world would be like it was in the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> I'm not going to go into that, but the world is like it was in the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus said exactly what was going to happen. And so what we see, and we've said this before, but listen, this, we're blessed. You, I don't know if you guys realize this. We, God has blessed this church. We have 13 acres we have four buildings. We had three. Somebody gave us a house last year that we just, you know, we'll figure out what to do with, but we don't know what to do with our house right now. So, but, but listen, Jesus has blessed us in a big way. And all throughout this last year, God has used this facility, this building, this ark that we're sitting in right now to help not only all of us, right? I come here and I, I feel the peace of God. I'm not going to lie. I come here. I've been hearing junk all week. I've been getting puked on by the world and, and hearing all the doom and gloom. And I come here to the holy altar of God. I get led in worship by these guys. I hear the word of God. I feel your love. And it's okay. Everything's better. Everything's going to be okay. But that's the beauty of a church family. I have lost count of how many families this year have done funerals in here to bury a loved one because the funeral home wouldn't do it or maybe their church wasn't available to do it or not open and that's okay. But God has used this place as an ark, a place of refuge, a place of safety in the midst of the storm. Now, hear me out on this. You people have proven that you'll go to, you'll, you'll come to church if it's 150 degrees in here. I know that. You'll come in here if it's 30 degrees in here. I get that. I know that. And I would too. But we're at a place where God is going to use this more and more and more as things get crazier. Can somebody say amen to that? And I know this much. The committed people, they'll go to church if we go dig a hole out in the ground out there and, and you know, we sit on, sit on rocks. But there are people that they're not going to come to church if they're, well, it's too hot in here. I was going to try it out or, it, or it's freezing in there. I'm not. And so this represents more than air conditioning and heating. This to me represents souls. It represents people that can come in and hear the word of God and not be so uncomfortable that I'm not even going to, I can't even listen to that. This is a big deal. This is a big moment. 15 years in the making and and I I don't I'm just going to be honest I'm very excited about this and this is something that God's going to do and and here check this out right over here we've got a beautiful giant nursery right over here right up upstairs here that I I mean it's it's huge we just remodeled it we just did new artwork right before March of last year. And we even had a professional cleaning company come in a couple months ago and spray it down and sanitize it from floor to ceiling. And I mean, that place is the cleanest room you could go into, but we can't use it because the, the HVAC doesn't work above that nursery room. And so we can't even put our baby. And so, you know, I'm, all I'm saying is this, is this is a need, but this is a big moment for us to open up the ark and get more and more and more people in to hear the word of God and go in that rapture when Jesus blows that trumpet and the sky opens up and we finally get to go to heaven. This is a big deal. Can somebody say amen to that today? And so the super exciting news is this. You can go ahead and put the ark back on the screen there.
So the the cost of phase one is uh, is thirty thousand dollars. But here's the incredible news: is we already have thirteen thousand four hundred and fifty four dollars and eighty something cents available. Now, I'm not very good at math, so I got on Google and used their calculator. And that means that we already have 45% of what we actually need. Who would like to start a, a race with a 45% head start over over the, what you already need? Can, I mean, 45%. And so that leaves us needing about 16500 And that's, of course, cash because we aren't going to... God doesn't need to go to the world to get his money. God doesn't need to go to Babylon. God doesn't need to go beg into Egypt. Can you give us a loan and, and we'll pay you back 20% on top of what you gave us? God doesn't need to do that. God has got enough money. God has got enough resources that we can totally knock this thing out. And one thing that came to me is we're going to give the devil a black eye right in the middle. He's like, churches are shutting down. Things are bad. There's no way a small church in a small town in the desert of California is going to do a big project and not have to borrow one dime for it. That's a shame. That's an embarrassment to the devil that he couldn't stop us. He couldn't slow us down. But we are building in the midst of a pandemic. Can somebody say amen to that? That is exciting, man. Woo! I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting excited. So listen here. I'm going to have my dad come on up, but, uh, and, and just share, share a few words and we're going to move on with the service here. But you got to understand our excitement that we've been waiting for this for 15 years. And, um, and, and I'll say this, uh, Katie and I are going to be a part of this. Mom and dad are going to be, we're not going to ask uh, we're not going to ask, well, everybody, you know, help do your part, but let's not do our part. And so, uh, for Katie and I, we have just, we've prayed, we've decided we we're going to give the first thousand dollars towards this HVAC. That is not to, uh, we're not giving to be seen of men, but what I am doing is showing you guys that I'm not going to ask you to do something that we ourselves wouldn't do. We are committed to this just as much as you are. And so that just brought the cost down to 15500 And so to God goes the glory for that. But we're going to get this thing. And in the summertime, when you come in here, you're not going to come in with a fan. You're going to come in with a coat because we're going to, we're going to keep it so cold in here. You'll hardly be able to stand it. Okay. Praise God. But I want my dad to speak in on this because he's been here the longest on all this. So praise God. Hallelujah. I got mine, Dave. Praise the Lord. Was well, anybody excited about this? Yes. Amen. I am. And you know, I, I want to show you a couple of verses Pastor Dave has, but I, th- I think you all know that everything I do, I do with the Bible. Because I know that people can't do what God wants to do without faith. How does faith come? Hearing. Hearing. Hearing the Word of God. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And Pastor Dave kind of made reference to this. But I want, I want to show you this in the Word. I'm going to, actually, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation because I like the way it says it a lot better. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And all, all of Second Corinthians chapter 8 talks about the saints at Corneth giving a big offering to Jerusalem to help the saints in Jerusalem. But you know, when God has us do things in the church, most of the time it's not for us. It's for other people. You know, I was thinking about, we're talking about the ark. I was thinking about Noah. Noah didn't really build the ark for Noah. God already said he was righteous. He was right with God. And so God was going to judge the earth. So when he built that, he built that to save seed for God for the future. And that had to be his family because that was the only righteous family God could find on earth. And so for us, when I think about what we're doing, 
I was thinking about this the way the church this morning. How many here, and this is not a set up question, how many here are spiritual people because you're born again, not a set up, not set you up, and you come to church, not, not so much for the comfort of what the church is physically, but you want to hear the word of God, you know it's going to help, you're going to give you faith, and you come to church, if there was no air conditioning stuff, you'd break a fan, you'd come in your shorts and tank top or something, but you wanted to get to the word. That's who we are. That's who we are. If it's cold, we're going to put on more clothes, two pairs of socks, because we we come here for the Word of God. But all these people in our community that don't know about Him yet, and the ones that have heard but they don't serve Him yet, they're going to find the place with the best seats, with the best climate inside the church and things like that there. They're not coming because they know the value of the Word. They're coming because they just kind of think, I ought to go to church. And they don't know the difference between one church and another church. They don't know if a church is a Jesus church or it might even be a cult or what it is. They just feel like they want to get close to God. And I know when I, when I, when I got born again in 1980, right before in the month of December, 1979 of December, I started going to a church. They didn't preach the new birth. I wanted to get right with God. And five Sundays in a row, I went to their altar and nobody prayed for me. It was a nice neighborhood church, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They didn't teach the Word of God. And all I knew is I want to go to a nice church because God must be there. But we, in providing the right atmosphere in here to take care of their flesh, they'll come in, they'll be cool when they need to be cool, they'll be warm when they need to be warm, have nice seats, but they don't know the value of the Word yet. They get this atmosphere It'd be like I was when I started going to a Pentecostal church when I was wanting to get saved. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew God's in here. And so I went there for a few weeks and all of a sudden, man, man, I was part of it. But they took care of my flesh as well as other things that I I learned. I learned what it was all about. So as we get the right heating and air conditioning, we'd get by without it if we had to because we're hungry already. But the ones that we want to reach, they're not. So we'll touch their flesh. So God can get their heart. Does that make sense to you? That's how this whole thing's work. We'll take care of their physical needs so we can meet their spiritual needs. They'll become one of us. And more and more and more and more, God will be able to do in this community what he wants to do because we'll have more people that's hooked up with him. But Second Corinthians chapter 8 totally talks about the saints sacrificially giving. You can read chapter 8 sometime. Sacrificially giving to be able to help the other saints and fulfill the plan of God. But then verse 9, chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to read these first three verses, New Living Translation. And the reason I'm doing this is this. Just in case there's a religious demon that walked in with you, wants to get on your shoulder and, and, and lie to you about what we're doing. In Matthew chapter 6, I read again this morning, Jesus said... When you're doing your alms, said do them in secret, because if you do up so men will see you, you have your reward. He's talking about the motive of the heart. He said if your whole reason in giving something publicly is so people will see you and say, oh man, look at him. He's awesome. Look what he's doing. Said that's all the rewards you get. But then he talked about if you give in secret, your father which sees you in secret rewards you openly. That's one kind of giving. How many know the Holy Spirit inspired the whole Bible? Okay, so Jesus was warning people about their heart's motives and their money. But then here, 
In this giving in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the Holy Spirit's leading people to give publicly, and I'll show you why. He said in verse 1, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. How many here is eager to help with this? We're eager to help. He said, and I have been boasting to the churches of Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, look at this. It was your enthusiasm that stirred up many. Your enthusiasm stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. And so the King James says, your zeal for giving has provoked many. And so sometimes, sometimes God wants to use believers to stir up other people. That I want to be a part of that too. And so that's why so many times over the course of my ministry, the Lord's had me do what Pastor Dave just did. He could have very easily put a $1,000 gift in the offering. Nobody would ever know that Pastor Dave did anything or if he gave $10 or $20 or what he did. But God wants to use us sometimes to stir up others to hook in to get the project done. So you see the two ways God has people give. Sometimes it's totally private between you and God. Nobody knows. But then here, Paul said, because you did this publicly, you stirred up the rest of them. They were thinking about it, but this stirred them. And so for the times we're in right now, Pastor Dave already said, we're at the end of the end. And I'll tell you what, the only way you could not know this is not business as usual times in the world is you're absolutely spiritually dead. Or you're deceived and spiritually blind. This is not the time, this is not the time that is church like it's always been church. This is the time... I, I was at a webinar last night with Dr. Barclay. I, I, I was on the webinar watching, but Dr. Barclay taught it. And Dr. Barclay sees a lot of things, knows a lot of things about a lot of things. And he knows the remote possibility, if things don't get turned around in America, of the American church have started doing things underground like they do in third world countries. Already, already... We've seen the government find out they can close churches. And I'm not speaking bad about the government. But how many know that there's a spiritual warfare going on? And if Satan can silence the preachers and the churches, he has a whole lot more chance to destroy this country. And so this is the time, and I'm not saying anything at all from a fear motive. I'm saying a time of a serious motive with God. This is the time that we've got to take care of the house of God. This is the time that those people out there that are watching your life, your family, people you work with, your neighbors, casual acquaintances are looking at you. And Peter said, said they're asking a reason for the hope in you. And you can't invite them to church if you don't have a place to have church. Amen. And so I'm just saying this, that this is just a whole different time than ever before. And we've got to listen. And before I go further, the verses the Lord told me to give you before we actually talk about pledges and offerings is Romans chapter 8. He specifically this morning in my prayer closet told me to read these two verses to you. That will help you. How many like to be led by the Holy Spirit and not manipulated by men? I'll tell you what. I've been around phony, crooked preachers that want to manipulate and get your money. And man, I'll tell you what, I turn those guys off. I walk away from them. I wouldn't give them a dime. 
But I've been around Holy Ghost preachers that are walking with God, that are that are helping fulfill the plan and purpose of God. And man, I, I, I run to that anointing. I run to be a part of it because that's where I want to be. Amen. And so Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and verse 16. And I heard Brother Hagin say before, if you can let God lead you concerning your money, then you be sensitive to God concerning everything else he wants to do in your life. Because your money, Jesus said, where your, where your, where your heart is, that's where your money will be. And so Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And verse 16 goes right with this. The Spirit itself, himself, bears witness with our spirit, not our head. With our spirit, that we are the children of God. The primary way that you know the plan of God for your life is not voices, but in your heart. You know that you know this is what God wants me to do. Has anybody ever known in their heart that God wanted you to bless somebody, wanted a church thing, somebody you work with, some family member, something else going on? It wasn't because you felt sorry for them. But you just know, man, God wants me to be a part of this. God wants me to give this. to God. God wants me to help them. God wants me to do this. Well, that's what I'm telling you to do now. Listen to your heart as we talk about the project. We've said a lot of good things to you about what God wants to do, but God's the one that wants to use you, wants to use me. Mrs. Pastor and I are putting in a thousand dollars morning also because we already know what God wants us to do. And God knows that I'm ready to do more if he wants me to. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. We've been blessed in life where we're doing better than we used to do. And if God wants me to do more and get this job done, I'll do it. Whatever he wants me to do. And so, for all of you, listen to your hearts, what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. And I myself believe that this was another 17,000. That's what we need? 16,5. No, 16,5. I believe that we ought to see the majority of that pledged this morning or put in or whatever you want to do. But you listen to your hearts. And I, I also, my heart's desire is by the time this project gets to rolling, we're all going to keep on giving and do the whole project this year and get it done. Praise God. Amen. Get this thing knocked out. How many, how many know that God's people and God are an unbeatable team? Yeah. Amen. Amen. We can't be beat. We can't be defeated if we're walking with God. And I know this. The last time we had a major project we was a part of, I needed a new roof on my house. We needed a new roof of this church. And it was a really big project. We sacrificially gave for this project. And that same year, God gave me a new roof at a fraction of the cost. Yeah. A brand new roof. Amen. Amen. And so see, this whole thing works not just helping God, but when we're helping God. God multiplies the help of us and does things we can't do. So if you got projects in your house you're believing for, you got projects in your life you need to do as you give this, it's okay to believe God for a return because Jesus said when you give, it's given back to you. Good yes. measure, pressed down, yes. shake together, running over. But every promise in the Bible doesn't come to pass just because it's there. It comes to pass because you exercise your faith in that promise to come to pass. And so we're going to, we're going to give this and we're going to see God do what he said he'll do. God's going to take care of his place through us. And then also the people out there watching on YouTube, uh, watching on Facebook and things like that. Pastor Dave said there's a place on the app there. What's it say? Select, select building and maintenance on the online giving and, and give an offering there. And if you're going to pledge something out there, 
Send a, send a message on Messenger, right? So on Messenger, just message Pastor Dave and let him know that you're going to get from out there towards the project. And we're going to see this done. And I'll tell you what, when the rapture takes place, or if perchance it doesn't take place in our lifetime, when we stand in front of Jesus, we're not going to be ashamed. We're going to say, Jesus, you had me spirit, soul, body. You had my money. You had my life. I gave it all to you, Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. And so what I want to do, so we'll have an idea of what's going on. This is what always works best for us to have natural understanding. The people that are going to do the project, they're not doing it by faith. They're doing it by sight. They want money. And so to be able to tell them when to start the project, we need to know what's going on so we can tell them. And so, Katie, you're right. Katie's taking down what's going on. Okay, said so another thousand came in on lots. So right there's three thousand dollars already knocked off. One thousand, two thousand, settlement on lines. Another that makes three thousand dollars. And so your zeals before many, you're listening to your hearts. And so we'll know what to tell these contractors. And I told Pastor Dave, it's always de- good to have a date set for you to know how to shoot your faith out there. And so this is the second Sunday of January. And so we'd like to have the funds in to let the people know. By the second Sunday of February, we've got what it takes for phase one, guys. We're ready for you to get started. Amen. And so I just want to ask you if you'd raise up your hand with an amount that you believe in your heart that God would have you pledge or give towards this so Katie will know what to be able to. Oh, we got the, yeah. So if you have one of those, you can write it on that. But uh, can anybody pledge anything? Norma, you raised your hand for a pledge or raised your hand for a card? Robert, you're doing 500. Robert's doing 500. Write that down. Donna. She wants a card. All right. Mike. Okay, Jackson's for a thousand. So we're we're knocking this thing off. Anybody else can can say anything that you know you can do. Okay, Josh and Julie can do a thousand. So Samples family's in this all the way. Norma. Norma said a thousand. Thousand. We're knocking this thing out, guys. John, a thousand from the Sosetas. at fifty from Garcia's. Two fifty. Two fifty. Five hundred from the Coleman's. Amen. Two hundred. Two hundred from Maxine and Raul. Two fifty from Cruises. Amen. Amen. We're getting this thing knocked out. We can talk to these people. We're, under, we're already down to under 8,000. We're down to under 8,000. Praise God. We're moving right along. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. And if you don't know for sure what you want to do yet, then write it on that paper there and let these guys sit so we can know. But we're going to keep watching this every service. We want to talk about it. We want to be able to tell these guys, order your materials Put us on your schedule. We want we want you on the roof taking care of this. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we've about got that, Pastor Dave. We'll receive the offering this morning. Then we'll do our financial faith confession. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. That's pretty awesome right there. <laughs>
we're walking out of here already. And over the next couple of weeks, all we need to raise is 8000 And that is going to come in. And again, we're going to call those guys. And, you know, they're offering, you know, you can you, you can uh, finance this. Like, nope, we're going to pay you guys straight cash to come in and take care of God's house so more people can have a place of refuge, a place of safety to hear the gospel in the end times. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Yeah, and on all those little pledge cards you got there, you can put your name and then how much you wanted to pledge and then the date of which you think you can put it in. And we're going to put ours in today. You know, some can do that. And if not, just we want to be able to, to call these guys. I think we said by the second Sunday of February, make the call and say, boys, get rolling to Barstow. We're going to do this thing right away. So praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. That's good news. Amen. All right. And again, if someone's going to give online, they can just select the tab that says, Building and maintenance. God is good. Let's pray over this this morning together. Can we do that, guys? And if you've got, you know, what you were going to give already, uh, you can uh, just hold on to that and, and lay hands on that as we pray. But I put mine somewhere. Anyway, let's pray right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much, Lord, that you have blessed this church. You have blessed these people. And Lord, right in the middle of when Satan thought he was going to have a big laugh at the kingdom of God, at the body of Christ, we're fighting back and we're going to embarrass him for even trying to mess with the kingdom. And we say that all this is coming in and more. And every single person that's that's contributing to this, Lord, may they be blessed. May it be given back unto them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give unto their bosom. And we thank you, Lord, that you are going to bless them and me every Every need they have. And 21 is going to be a home run out of this world. Incredible year for everybody here. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, with that being said, we will very quickly here take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings, our regular tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one and uh, and we'll go ahead and take care of this. But a verse I'll just encourage you with this morning is 3 John in verse 2 and it says, Beloved, who's the beloved? Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so as we give, as we tithe, as we're obedient, you need to realize that it is God's will. He said above all things that you would prosper. God's not asking you to to do something because he wants you to have less. God's not asking you to do something because it's his will for his people to be without. It is his will that we would prosper, that we would be in health even as our souls prosper. Somebody say amen this morning. Amen. What a good day to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to go ahead and speak some words of faith over our giving right now. And then we're going to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. We're going to have an awesome time of praise and worship. And then we've got a word from heaven to stir you, to encourage you, and to challenge you today in the name of Jesus. Let's stand up together as we do this. Okay, we're going to speak some words of faith over our giving this morning. Praise God. And who knows that this isn't just something we do. We don't just speak words of faith over our giving because we've got nothing better to do. We do it because it works. And if you haven't realized, if you haven't been around here real long, we are big time believers in trusting God and in speaking the right words out of our mouth over every situation. That's why we do this. But let's say this together. 
As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. We're going to worship the Lord together today. So bring up your offerings, your tithes and offerings, and then let's just sing together. Praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes. Your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give the praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise. Cause you 
of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. And I can't 
no one like you, Lord. Oh, there's no one we adore more than you, Jesus. We just want our hearts to be where you are. Always face to face with you, Jesus. Staying in your loving embrace. We just love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We want all of you, Lord. We give all of ourselves to you, Jesus. We give all of ourselves to you, Jesus, withholding nothing, withholding nothing from you. Have every part of us, Lord. We just want to be where you are. Let's sing that again. I just want to be where you are. presence of God for a minute this morning. Let's raise our hands together. Amen. You know, back when I was in school, if if uh, there was a question and you knew the answer, you just raised your hand, right? There's a lot of questions right now, but listen, if you know the answer, you just go ahead and throw your hand up right now and say, I know the answer, okay? I got this one. I've got Jesus. He's the answer. Lord, we love you, and we declare right now in front of the whole world that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. No one gets to go to heaven. No one comes to the Father except through you. And that's right. I do just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart today, Father, because we know that with you there is fullness of joy with you there is peace with you there is protection with you there is healing with you there is salvation we praise your name jesus there is no one like you no one beside you no one even in the same league as you no one near you you are above all and we love you and we lift up your name today you said if you be lifted up from the earth you would draw all men unto you and so we lift you up today father and say have your way in this service 
Tell us, Lord, what we need to hear, whether we like it or not. Give us the truth, Lord. We're not going to run from it. We're going to run to it. We praise your name, Father. We love you in the mighty, precious name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. Can you just sing the holy, holy part maybe one more time? Let's all just raise our hands and sing holy. that you are holy you are set apart lord and we ask you today to do what you need to do father we don't want to leave here the same way we came in we want to be better lord we want to be different we want to be more like you so do that today in jesus name hallelujah can we give the lord some praise this morning can we make some noise for jesus hallelujah you may be seated Amen. I'm just like King David. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I am glad to be in the house of the Lord with the people of God, reading the word of God, singing songs about God to Jesus. Amen. It's a great day to be alive. Well, uh, this week, you can go ahead and put the, the up there, Joel. Uh, we're going to be on part two of our new series for 2021 called Like Stone. Well, what does that mean? Well, what we're talking about is it is going to take a full-out bulldog determination in 2021 and beyond to stick close to Jesus and not let anything get you off track. It's going to take uh, a tenacity, uh, a ferociousness, a an all-out undying loyalty to Jesus to stick close to him. And I know this much that when we stick with him, he brings us protection. He brings us through it. He brings us through anything and everything that comes along the way. But the theme verse for 2021 is this. Uh, go ahead and turn over there to Isaiah 50 and verse 7. Isaiah 50 and verse 7. Amen. Now, every year we kind of have a, a, a theme verse that's specifically for our church uh, for that year. Now, I, I also have a personal verse from my own individual life that I seek God for every year. And I may not know at the beginning of January why God gave me that verse, but somewhere along the way, I find out why. And sometimes as you walk with Jesus, the more you grow in your uh, faith and in your uh, relationship with God, you'll learn that Sometimes God's telling you something right now and you don't know what it's for. It doesn't make any sense, but you just need to learn to trust and obey because you'll find out later on. And when you find out later on, if you obeyed in the beginning, you're like, oh, thank God I listened. But if you ignored it and you disobeyed it later on, you're like, I should have listened. 
Is there anything like that in your life where you're like, man, I wish I would have listened when they said that back then. Man, I wish I would have paid attention in school when they told me I should learn this stuff. Man, I wish I would have, I would have just obeyed back then because now I wouldn't be dealing with this. Well, you gotta understand that. Jesus always provides a way out. You know, there was a flood that came to the earth, but God provided a way out on that ark. Right. I mean, people could have got on it if they wanted to. And just people decided not to. Uh, what, there's just always a way that Jesus makes for us to take. And we find out sooner or later why that is. But the verse for this year is Isaiah 50. And verse 7 in the NLT, it says, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do His will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. Now listen, whenever we are determined to do God's will, whenever we are determined to stick with Him, you will not be put to shame. Now, last week we kind of looked at the very first sentence of this verse where it says, because the sovereign Lord helps me. But this week I'm going to kind of break down the second part where it says, I will not be disgraced. Who in here you're saying, I'm not going to be disgraced. I'm sticking with Jesus and I will not regret it. No regrets. No way. I am sticking with Jesus. And so this, this, uh, this disgrace word, okay, it's this Hebrew word, kalam, and it means to shame humiliate, be put to confusion, and the devil is not going to shame me, humiliate me, throw confusion on me. I am following Jesus 100% of the way. And so two things. I'm going to be pretty brief this morning. We've already had a great service so far. It's already been a home run banger of a service, but I'm telling you right now, we're going to get into some word here. So the first thing I want to say is this. Number one, if you're taking notes here, number one, I will not be disgraced. Number one, no shame. Number one, no shame. Can you say that with me? No shame. One thing that the modern, secular, antichrist world wants to do is to make you feel ashamed for what you believe. You can agree with me or not. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any difference. I don't mind waiting until we get to heaven for Jesus to tell you how right I was. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But listen to me. Listen to me. They want to make you feel stupid for believing that God created the heavens and the earth. They want to make you feel stupid for believing that Jesus is a healer today. They want to make you feel stupid about that. They want to make you feel like a freak for not being paralyzed with fear right now. They want to make you feel stupid and ashamed and thumbed down and like you're just some crazy, out-of-this-world insano. They want to make you feel shamed already. But i got to agree with what the Apostle Paul said. Look with me at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, now some of you know where I'm going, others you'll catch on in a minute, but Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 16, but I'm not, no shame here, listen, no shame, no shame, Jesus wasn't ashamed of me, I'm not going to be ashamed of him. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, but in the day and the age in which we live, it is going to take Christians with some guts. 
It's going to take Christians with some backbone, Christians that have a spine to stand up when they try to put you on the spot, to stand up when they try to make you feel stupid and ashamed and embarrassed about what you believe. But Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 16, and this is what the Apostle Paul had to say about it. He said, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile, who is like the Apostle Paul. And you could say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God to save everybody, the Jew first and the Gentile also. And this is the absolute truth. I love Paul's attitude on all this because Paul was not ashamed and I'm not ashamed. You can't embarrass me for believing what I believed. Why? I mean, so far it's worked out really well for me. Really was healed me of cancer. It's provided me with a beautiful, wonderful church to be with. It's healed my dad of cancer. It's, uh, it's given me a wife and four kids. When the doctor said I couldn't have kids, I got four now. I mean, seriously, this has worked out really, really well for me. Why? Because God just likes me? No, because I believe the word of God is true and that it'll work for anybody that will work the word of God. It says, says, God is no respecter of persons. God has no favorites. The word will work for anybody that will truly trust it and believe it in their heart and say it with their mouth and not give up when the devil starts to put the pressure on. The word of God never fails. It never returns unto him void. But people will try to convince you otherwise while you're fighting the good fight of faith. I heard this story. There was a minister, a boy scout, and a scientist, they were the only three passengers on this airplane, and there started to be some trouble with the engine. Maybe you've heard this story. So the pilot runs to the back, and he's like, guys, bad news, this plane is going down. There's four of us on the plane, and only three parachutes, so someone's the odd man out. But I'll tell you right now, I'm young, I'm married, I've got a, I've got a wife and three kids, they need me, deuces. He puts the parachute on, jumps out of the plane, and so that leaves... Three guys, but two parachutes. The scientist quickly speaks up and says, whoa, whoa, guy, hey, listen, I'm the smartest man in the world. The world needs me. I'm out of here. He grabs the next one and jumps out. So the minister, being an older man, he, he starts talking. He's like, you know what, boy, son, I've lived a long life. God's been good to me. I've lived a rich life. You're young. You've got your whole life ahead of you. I'm going to give you the final parachute. You take it and go. And he's like, Relax, Reverend. The smartest man in the world just grabbed my backpack and jumped out of this plane. There's two. There's, we, be, we each get one right now. Let's go. And so what I'm telling you is sometimes people think you're crazy. There and, and again, in the day and age in which we live, there's the high and mighty. There's the, the geniuses of our time. And I found out that the experts, they don't know very much. But God's word has all the answers and it's been right the whole time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's look here at what the Apostle Paul had to say here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I can identify and I can relate to this portion of Scripture so much because I believe it's like where we're at now. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 29. Can somebody say amen? Now, usually I don't read this many verses all at once, but you've got to get the full picture here, all right? You've got to get the full picture. So... First Corinthians 
chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 through 29. And Paul is talking about all the brilliant geniuses and intellectuals that think you're stupid for believing in Jesus, that think you're stupid for believing in a God that you can't see. The people that want to thumb you down and embarrass you and shame you, they were, they were around back then just like they are today. But listen, Jesus always has the last word. And so look at this. First Corinthians 1. Verse 18, it says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Is there anybody in here that you know it's the very power of God? I mean, I'm not playing around. I'm not ashamed of this stuff. Verse 19, as the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? Where does it leave them? God has made the wisdom of this world look Foolish, And I have seen that play out in real time over the last couple of years where the people that had all the answers, all of a sudden, their answers were wrong. Their answers were wrong. Verse 21, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. You can't know God through your mind and through your brain. That's not how you figure him out because he can't be figured out. Look at this. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, here I love, this is what I'm getting to right here, verse 27. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Man, I love everything that I just read right there. But get this. God will use the very things that the intelligent, that the high and mighty people of this world use to make fun of us. He's going to use those things to shame them in the end. Listen, people had a good time laughing at Noah. It was funny. This crazy man building a giant boat for all these years, that's never even rained before. But you got to realize, you read the book of Genesis The earth got watered because God caused the water, the dew, to just come up out of the ground everywhere. And it it had never, water had never fallen from the sky up until this point in time. Noah says, I know y'all think I'm crazy, but listen, there's going to come a point. God told me, he already told me, water's going to fall from the sky. And it's going to come up out of the ground. And they're like, oh my gosh, really? They ridiculed, they made fun of, they mocked, they tried to shame him. And it was that boat was a real joke until the rain came. 
But that boat wasn't so sailing anymore. Everybody wanted to be on that boat, right? People are, they're going to laugh at you. I will tell you right now, you have my word that if you will stand up for Jesus this year and beyond, you will be made fun of. You will be persecuted. Well, don't confess that, Pastor. That's a bad thing to say. I'm just being real. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The only way that you get out of this thing without getting made fun of and mocked and receiving persecution is if you are not living godly in Christ Jesus. They're going to go to, to make fun of the Christians. Uh, uh, he's not one anyway. He just talks about it, but he's a faker. Oh, but this guy over here, he really believes this stuff. If you have guts, if you've got spine, if you are a man or a woman of God at all, you will receive a little backlash in the coming day and age. It's going to happen. I'm not, you know, I'm not prophesying. I'm not, I'm just speaking the word of God. Now we have promises of protection all day long. God will, he'll protect my health. He'll protect my family, all that stuff. But I am not promised that I will never receive any persecution. On the contrary, I am promised that if I live godly and actually live like a real Christian, that I will receive persecution. So David was a big joke. They made this 17 year old kid was out there going to face everybody thought he was a fool until that giant fell. Then they all wanted to be on his side. Right. You've heard the old story about, you know, I'm going to tell it again. The the old story, maybe you heard it as a kid that this this chicken, she's like, hey, I'm going to bake me. I'm going to bake me a cake. Right. And so she says, you know what? Who wants to help me go gather the ingredients? And everyone says, no, 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 no. So she's like, okay. She goes and gathers all the ingredients. Who wants to help me bake the cake? No, no, we don't want to help out with that. But then who wants to help me eat the cake? And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, I want some of that. I want. And and she's like, no, you're not getting any of this. You didn't want to help work for it. You didn't want to help bake it. You don't get any of it. But listen, people may think you're crazy right now. You're man. You're still going to church right now. You're still tithing. You're still doing this. You still believe God actually is going to protect you. And they think it's funny, but it's not so funny when you're still standing when it all goes down. You're going to want to. Hey, listen. You're going to want to be in this boat when things go down. You're going to want to be on our team. We're not going to be so crazy in the end. Just something to think about. They thought Jesus was defeated until three days later when he rose up out of that grave. Then it, then it wasn't so funny anymore. He wasn't defeated anymore. You have got to realize that when you stand up for Jesus, no shame in my game. No shame. I am not going to regret this, that I am going to follow Jesus no matter who thinks it's a good idea or not. No matter, well, there's more money over here. I don't know, whatever. There, there's more prestige. People are nice. I don't even care. I am planted right here doing the will of God, and I will not be disgraced. My face is set as stone determined to do his will. And I ain't moving, folks. I am planted where Jesus has called me to be. And I know this much. God will, he wins in the end. And the things that they think are going to trap us are going to trap them. I was looking at, you know, I, I mean, I'm 35, but I do watch cartoons sometimes. So yesterday I was on YouTube. You know, thank you, Jose. And I was like, you know what? Good old Wiley Coyote. Who remembers Wiley Coyote from back in the day? All right, dude had the best, he had the absolute worst luck in the history of the world. And he always thought he was going to catch this roadrunner, right? And I'm watch, I watched the top 10 Wiley Coyote moments, but every time he set a trap for the other guy, but the trap ended up smashing him. 
I was looking at this one. He had this great big boulder attached to a rock, and he swings it off the cliff, and it goes, and the roadrunner's there. It misses him by this much, but it swings back up and smashes the coyote to pieces. And I'm like, isn't that just like what's going to happen to the devil? Isn't that what's going to happen to these evil people? They're they're rolling the boulder. They're setting up all these traps thinking it's going to get us, but it's just going to come back on the devil and shame him forever thinking that he could get the people of God. That's good news today. Amen. Who's going to be a roadrunner with me? I never knew what those were until I moved to the desert, but now I have seen them and they are real. So number one, no shame. Say it with me. No shame. Number two, no regrets. No regrets. I am not going to end this life saying, man, I, I regret doing that. I, I wish that I had, I wish that I had just, uh, uh, maybe I had done that. I don't want to get to heaven or be at the end of my life and say, I wish I would have. Boy, I wish I could go back. Or I regret that I didn't. I refuse to end this thing with any regrets. Who's with me? And the good thing is, is that God is such a good God, such a loving God, that he gives us chance after chance after chance to serve him, to do the right thing, gives us open doors, gives us all these different opportunities to be used by him and to obey him and to get a second chance because some of us needed a second chance. So I heard this story that Brother Hagan had told, and I'd never heard it till the other day, but apparently back in the 1880s, there was a governor of the state of Ohio named uh, Governor George Nash. He was the governor in the 1880s, and, and there was a young man that had committed a crime, and he received a, not only a life sentence, but he, he, he was going to be executed. And so people are like, oh, man, he was just a young man. You know, he's, he's only 18. Let him go. And, and people are petitioning. And, and he's like, I don't know. The, the, then finally, the, the young man's mom finally gets an appointment with the governor. And she's like, listen, I'm not even asking you. He says that he did. And I'm not even asking you to, to, to let him go free. I'm just asking if you could reduce his sentence or, or somehow work out some mercy. Give him a second chance. And the governor says, you know what? I'm feeling good. I'll. I, I'll, I will meet with the young man. And the mom says, oh, thank you. My uh, my prayers have been answered. So he goes to meet with the young man. But instead of showing up in his normal, normal suit and tie and all that stuff, he shows up dressed like a preacher. Now, back then, preachers wore, you know, a certain hat and uh, and they, they wore their, their, their the, the collar. And I've been thinking about doing that. You guys show of hands. Who thinks I should do that? No. OK. All right. One hand. One. Hand. I've got one vote for yes. The rest say no. OK. So anyway, so he shows up to the prison. And the guard is leading him down to this young man's cell. And, and the kid looks up and says, oh, God, a preacher? Get out of here. I don't, I don't want to hear it. And, and, the, and, and the governor, the kid doesn't know this is the governor. I mean, this is before TV and before you know what people actually look like. And so he, he's like, no, now listen, young man, I, I believe I can help you. Get out of here. I don't want to hear it. Listen, son, your mom asked me to come and talk to you. Beat it. I don't want to hear it. Son, listen. I can help you if you only knew who I am. Get out of here. And so the governor's like, all right, fine. Have a nice day. He leaves. The prison guard comes back down the hallway and he's like, well, son, what did Governor Nash have to say? What, what, what did he want with you? The kid says, what? Oh, what? That was the governor? That was the, 
Oh God, no, no, no. He wanted to help me, but I wouldn't let him. He wanted to help me, but I said no. I wouldn't even listen. And the kid, that's all he could say on repeat for the next several days. Then finally the day of his penalty came and his last recorded words were, he wanted to help me, but I wouldn't let him. Think about the level of regret at that point in time. Think about how many people right now God is trying to move in their life, but they don't recognize it. And they're saying, no, I don't need that. Get it out of here. No, I don't want to listen to that. You church people, you high desert people, you're crazy. Get out. I don't want want to hear that mess. And in the end, I hate to say this. There will be regret because people are going to say, they wanted to help me, but I wouldn't listen. He wanted to help me, but I wouldn't listen. I've determined right now, my face is set like a stinking stone, determined to do the will of God. I refuse to die with any regrets. I refuse to have Jesus come back down and me say, oh, why? You tried to talk to me. You tried to get my attention, but I wouldn't listen. Who can say this with me? No regrets. I'm not leaving this rock with no regrets. Let's look this morning at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Now this is written, uh, this is the last book, the last letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. And so we're talking about a man that has lived a very good, full life. Now, obviously, he faced troubles, he faced problems, but he stuck with Jesus. These words that I'm about to read to you are some of the very last things that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. I guess you could say some of his last words. But look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 8. And here's what Paul had to say, and I'm tagging on to this, man. This is going to be me. He says, as for me... My life has already been poured out as an offering to God. He's like, people are like, well, we're going to kill him. You can't kill me. I'm giving my life away. That's an offering. Take this as my offering. How do you like that, devil? You're not stealing Paul's life. He gave it away. And that's just what Jesus said. He's like, I'm laying my life down. No one's, no one's taking my life. I'm giving it away. You can't take from me if I'm giving it to you. So he said, the time of my death is near. He knew it. This was the end. But look at this. Verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and the most beautiful words ever written. And I have remained faithful. I know through all the bad times, through all the good times, through all the times, period, I stuck with it. I never turned my back on you, Jesus. And if I, you know, if if my time comes, I, I don't care if I can say I died a billionaire. I died a millionaire. I died the richest man in Barstow. I died having five. Who stinking cares if I can't die and say, I remained faithful. That's what Paul was able to say. Look at this. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Paul fought the good fight. He finished the race. He remained faithful. And someone could say, well, yeah, but the Romans finally got him. They finally executed him. Looks like he lost to me. He didn't lose. No regrets. 
No regrets in any of that. He remained faithful and God used, obviously, his writings and his works to still change the world 2,000 years later. What a man of God. I want to be like that. I don't want to be like these high and mighty, intelligent people that are trying to absolutely rip Christians through the dirt and the mud right now. Listen, guys, I ain't playing around. It's getting real out there. And I'm not going into that junk. But listen right now. It's getting real. You will find out real quick, real soon, who just talks about God and who actually believes what they're talking about. The line is going to be more distinct than it has ever been before about who's just talking and who's doing, like James 1.22 said. But it is getting down to the wire. And I just, I mean, I don't know what all to say except this is that You better cling to Jesus instead of your money. You better cling to Jesus instead of your politician. You better cling to Jesus instead of anything else because all those things can go away just like that. But Jesus can't go away because he already said in his word, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. This is the day. This is the hour to stick to Jesus like you've never stuck before. You know, I'm reminded of the old story. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 60. That'll be my final spot today. Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to look at verses 1 through 2. But but there's this old story, an old book called A Tale of Two Cities. You had to read that in your high school literature class, anybody? Can't remember that far back, a little bit older? Okay, that's good. But listen, uh, there's this old book called A Tale of Two Cities, written by Charles Dickens. And the opening lines of the whole thing, he says, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. And as he's describing, you know, what the times were like right then, there's two totally different outlooks on things. For some people, it was the worst of times. It was the season of darkness. It was the winter of despair. Yet for other people living at the exact same time period in this book, it was the best of times. It was the season of light. It was the spring of hope. And I'm like, man, that just describes about what I see right now in our day and age. For some people, it's the worst of times. Yet for others, it's the best of times. For some people, it's the winter of despair. The dark winter is here. But for others, it's the spring of hope saying, oh, man, I've read about this. I've read about this, and I know what happens next, and guess what? I get to go to heaven soon. Some people are full of hope right now. But I want to show you how Isaiah saw it in the end concerning the people of God, the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem, and, and hey, we're the children of Abraham, so this applies to us. But there is a distinction between the two. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. That's really really good news right now for the people of God. Because no doubt about it, there is darkness There is gloom that seems to be hovering over a whole lot of people. I can just sense it. I feel it. And the truth is that for the people of God, 
this could be your very best hour. This could be the moment that you've been waiting for. This could be the very time that you were born for, the time such as this. But you are going to have to start believing and trusting God like you never have before. You're going to have to take Isaiah chapter 50 verse 7 to heart and say, you know what? I don't care what they're saying. My face is set as a stone. I'm determined to do his will and I will not be put to shame. I will not be disgraced. I'm following Jesus no matter what. And I can tell you right now, this could be your brightest days. This could be the time that the glory of the Lord shines all about you and people come running out of the darkness and to the light that is all over your life. Jesus could use you to save hundreds, thousands of people right now if you will not let all this mess get on the inside of you. Listen, I'm in the world and I know what's going on, but I am not of this world. I'm down. I know what's going on. I'm aware, but guess what? I'm not of this world. I belong to another kingdom, and it's a whole lot higher than anything on this planet, and the day is coming soon. And so, like Paul, he said, hey, the time of my death is near. He knew his execution was on the calendar. And so, you know, in some ways, when you know it's coming, it's a little bit easier to really make sure you've got things right with God. Now, Paul already had. He wasn't trying scrambling. He was already there. But for us... All we know is, hey, he's coming soon. Some people will die before that because that's what happens. You're born and then you die someday, right? I mean, it's just, yeah, that's, it's the circle of life. That's what happens. So I believe though, and I don't just say this because I'm blowing smoke and I've got nothing better to do. I mean, I could be home right now eating my leftover Chinese from last night. It was delicious, but I'm here. Okay. Listen to me. I believe that there are a lot of people in this generation that we are the generation that is going to see Jesus come back. And people have been saying that, but I, I believe that. There are some people that will not experience physical death because they will just go up in the rapture. Now, the dead in Christ will rise first. They're going to beat us to heaven because Jesus is going to come. They're going to blow that trumpet so loud that your grandma is going to rise from the grave, right? Come on. It's going to be an exciting time. The dead in Christ will rise first. It's coming. But then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds with the Lord in the air. And so shall we be together forever with the Lord. It's coming. But we don't know when. And so all I know is this. I can't afford to backslide right now. I can't afford to let go of God right now. Because what if that's the day and he comes and I'm like, oh, no, he tried to help me. He tried to talk to me, but I wouldn't listen. I just had to go do it my way. So Isaiah 50 verse seven, the two things I'm bringing out to you today is this no shame and no regrets. If you are with me in this and you will say my face is set as stone and I'm not turning back for no thing or nobody then I want you to give the Lord a shout of praise this morning and say this is our year. This is our moment. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. Amen. I'm not depressed about what's going on. I am looking to the sky knowing that any moment now, any day now, we're going to see Jesus. And I'm not scared. I'm, I mean, come on. I am ready for this. We were born 
for this moment. No shame, no regrets. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Let's stand up together if we could this morning, just out of, out of honoring God, out of respect to Him. What we're gonna do, I wanna, I wanna pray over you, but we're gonna sing a song for a second here and, uh, you know, Josh, you got something on your heart? I hadn't even thought this out. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But let's, let's take a few minutes and sing to the Lord and realize that this is a good time to be alive if you're a Christian. Amen. No shame, no regrets. Hallelujah. And I just wanna be where you are. I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love Jesus, there is nothing like your love And I just want to be where you are I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love And Jesus, there is nothing like your love Holy, holy, holy I love you, Jesus. I love you. Holy, 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 Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, and I just want to be where you are, and I just want to be near your heart. Now, there is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. And I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. And there is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. Amen. I want to pray over you here in a minute this morning, but as we close out, you know, I've had a lot of, I mean, just people asking me all the time, like, what's next? What's going to happen next? What do I do next? And, you know, I mean, I, I don't... I don't always know what to say in all these situations, but I just felt the Lord speaking this to me, and it's uh, 1 Timothy 6, 12. You can write it down or just read it later, but fight 
the good fight of faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. But what I'm getting at right there is Paul said, hold tightly. But what do I do next, Pastor Dave? Hold tightly. Do not let go right now. You're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it through. Hey, we're coming out on the other side of this, whatever's going on. But listen, hold tightly and don't let go. Fight the good fight. Can somebody give the Lord a shout of praise today? Amen. I want to pray over you this morning and then we'll speak some words of faith over Barstow. But I believe that God spoke to us in a big way today and God's doing some stuff. Father, in the name of Jesus, can we raise our hands together? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for every person here, every person even watching online, Lord. And Lord, we say right now that we are off limits to any of the junk the devil wants to throw our way in Jesus' name. We are submitted to you. Lord, you said if we submit to God, we can resist the devil, that he has to flee. Lord, we're aware that there's things going on. We're aware that there's dangers all around. We get that. But Lord, we are going to stick close to you. We're fighting the good fight of faith. We are holding tightly, Lord, to what we know to be true. And I say in Jesus' name that everybody here, our health is blessed. No COVID, no other nasty sickness from hell can attach itself to us in the mighty name of Jesus. No poverty, no famine, nothing else that the devil wants to bring down the pike to take us down. We say no in the name of Jesus. We resist that stuff. Return to sender. We ain't receiving it in Jesus' name. And I declare right now that the glory of the Lord is rising upon us. Even there's there's darkness in this earth. The glory of the Lord is shining upon us. And Lord, people are running to the light. We have answers. They can get on the ark with us and make it out before the flood comes. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you, Jesus, for all that you are in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. God has been good. And I can just tell you now that, you know, uh, as we close out, more money's been coming in even right now for our, our, uh, our new HVAC system. And I, I'm, the biggest thing that I want out of this is not to be cool in the summertime, though I do value that because I'm not fond of the Mojave Desert in July. But what I really, I'm just excited about is the devil's messing with us. Boom! Right in the face and say, this church in Barstow is preparing an ark before the flood comes and we're getting people saved and healed and delivered left and right in this ark and you couldn't stop us, loser. Come on, give the devil an L. Let's do that. Here we go. Praise God. All right. Well, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow together because that city right over there is healed and it is doing great in the name of Jesus. Amen. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love joy and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus name. Amen. Give the Lord